Welcome back to Division One Rejects. We're back here post-Super Bowl uh, for an awesome episode. And I'm here, Kobe Manzo here with Tyshawn King. He is all layered up. We're in the dungeon today in the basement. It's chilly down here, Ty, isn't it? Yeah, bro, I'm freezing. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> Jimmy Martin's here with us, too. What's up, Jim? How we doing? Glad to be back, man, seriously. But today's a great episode we have for you guys. Joining us today will be the Saginaw Valley State O-line coach and run game coordinator and now friend of the show, Coach Drew Burton. He was uh, he was very happy to, to be considered a friend of the show. I'd say so. He's a second-time guest now. and Certainly a friend of the show. Certainly. Yes. If he was very happy with that. So I'll, I'll definitely give him that title. He's the man. Very happy to, to have him on. We talked with him a bit about not only Saginaw Valley's 2022 signing class, um, but also got into a little bit of spring ball, talk with him, their schedule, and their schedule for the upcoming season, talking about uh, their program and, and playing against a lot of playoff a lot of playoff teams. As far as Division Two is concerned, they've got quite the schedule. So uh, that conversation will be fantastic. But otherwise, man, this episode is all about the Super Bowl, right? We got we got to talk about this thing. We got to break it down, and I think we'll be talking about it for a little bit. So um, as far as Super Bowl goals, there's some big storylines that uh, come with the Super Bowl, the biggest of which the Rams getting the win, Stafford finally getting his ring. So we'll break all these down later, but Stafford getting the ring, or whether we talk about Eli Apple becoming the biggest meme of the Super Bowl, Van Jefferson running, rushing to the hospital for his newborn, or the immaculate season that Cooper Cup has had and capping that off with a Super Bowl MVP. But you can catch all of that, as always, any pretty much anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. Follow us on Twitter at D1Rejects. And on Instagram at Division One Rejects to see highlights from the show. But first, gentlemen, before we get into all that great Super Bowl talk, let's go over to Coach Burton. Joining us now is the O-line coach and run game coordinator at Saginaw Valley State University. It's Coach Drew Burton. What's going on, Coach? Glad to have you back. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me back. Of course. I was going to throw a friend of the show in there, too. I feel like second guest. I think, I think we can uh, call you a friend of the show now. I mean, like, that's the nicest thing I think anybody's ever said to me. So um. <laughs> I got to start throwing that. I thought about doing that in tweets. I was like, I don't know if that's that's corny or not, but, like, friend of the show, like, I think I think that's a that's a good way to go. But how you been, Coach? I feel like I've been, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, a caw, 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 D1 reject for a really long part of my life. So I feel like it would, it would only be fitting if, if I was a friend of the show. But oh, that's, uh, that's awesome. No, we're, we're good, man. We're obviously – you know, it's Michigan and it's cold and we're, we're looking forward to spring, but uh, things are going really well down here. We're kind of in the middle of, of uh, winter workouts yep. and um, just kind of like, you know, just banging away, trying to get ready for spring football. And we're going to start mid-March and uh, oh, yeah. feel really good about the signing class and, and uh, you know, the way the guys are working and kind of what we have coming back and some of those things. And we're Trying to get better and trying to get stronger and trying to get healthy just like everybody else. For sure. It's going really well. For so. sure. And um, I'm sure you saw you guys, one of your guys took over the Gleak Sports Instagram page a little while back and you made a, a cameo on there. I don't even know if you knew what he was saying to you, but you got, you were high on energy there. Um, it seemed like a morning workout or something, but you were ready to go in that little Instagram snap. That cracked me up. Did you end up seeing that? We're, I did see it. We're ready to go all the time. So that's not, that's, that, wasn't, that wasn't any kind of an act. That was just kind of how we roll 24-7. What you see is uh, what you get. Exactly what it is. I love that. I love so, that. You talked about uh, getting signing day, uh, going there, and you, you like what you see from that class. It's got to be um, a relief, I think, in a sense for you guys. Obviously, you don't stop recruiting. That's something that goes on year-round. But just getting all of those guys signed away and, and getting those, I guess, deals done, for lack of a better term, and kind of putting that behind you and feeling pretty confident about that, that's got to be – um, some so somewhat of a relief, I imagine. 
well, the better, I mean, the better the guys you, you know, you think you have always, it's more relieving. You know what I mean? There's yep. some guys were like, holy Lord, please let me get the signing day and let no one else find this kid, that kind of thing. And <laughs> I think it was, it was, it, it was a different process this year, obviously, just because so many Division One schools had just minimal scholarships. So we've been done for so long. And that's why I provided a little extra anxiety just because, you're always worried about, you know, a new staff comes in after the season and it's a, you know, a group of five school or it's an FCS school or something like that coming around and sniping your guys. I actually had a, I lost a kid to Louisville oh, like shoot. three or four years ago. And it was one of those things where it was a new staff and it was like, it was like February 1st, you know, right at the end of this cycle. And so there's always that kind of stuff, especially with some of your best guys. And we feel really good about our class. So there was definitely some of those guys that, we were a little bit anxious about getting them signed, but we got almost everybody signed and, and feel really good about it. And so we're anxious to get them on campus and get rolling. That's so. awesome. Yeah, and you talked about, like you said, that just a unique situation is sometimes all it takes for those guys to have you know, a bigger opportunity at one of those higher levels. And I remember talking to a kid from my school who's actually coming up here to Northern now, and he was uh, contemplating actually committing to Northern, I want to say it was maybe uh, in November or so, October, no, uh, November, somewhere in that area. And when he had finally told the coaches, like, hey, I'm ready to commit, um, unfortunately, we just didn't have money for him. And that's happened to a lot of guys in this class because, like you said, so many schools, even at our level, were done so early, right? So I know offensive line for us was a position group that we uh, addressed very early on. We had four or five guys commit in very extremely early. And I know I didn't commit until late January of my senior year. And so you're telling a kid in November that the spots are already full? Like, I don't know how I would have handled that. It would have been really tough to get through that for some of these kids. But um, obviously for you guys, did you run into a few of those uh, situations, I assume? We definitely did. And I think the hardest thing right now for high school coaches is essentially convincing them like, Hey, look, the, and, and I think this started four or five years ago with early signing, right? So yep. there, there is no division one recruiting period after the season. So uh, there, all those guys, all those offers are out, you know, before the end of the summer. So the first tier of guys that has real offers, and then the second tier of guys that has fake offers. Mm -hmm. and so we're working with a lot of those guys and trying to convince them, hey, you know, you need to you need to call and commit because they, they may not let you commit. If, if they don't let you commit, then you kind of know where you stand in terms of uh, where you sit in the pecking order and is that scholarship going to be there or not. So. Um, it, it, you know, it, as you know, I mean, some of the schools in the GLIAC, we really start where the Mac you know, leave off. There is no FCS football in Michigan. Totally. So any kid that wants to, you know, stay in state, ultimately Central and Western, Eastern, some of those guys are done recruiting in the state. And then we kind of go in as soon after that as, as we feel like, um, you know, that, that they're done and, and it's ready for us and that kind of thing. So a lot of, Coaches that are especially experienced coaches that have been around 20, 30 years across the state are like, okay, well, Division two recruiting that happens in January. Well, two, three, four, or five years ago it did, and then you know since early signing, it's changed so much. And in a lot of cases, I think our last offensive lineman committed, you know, December tenth or something like that, and we we're out of money at that point. Yeah, in time. and so it, it happens. It happens so quick, and that's something that I want to talk about here. Looking at. Um, I really appreciate how you guys on the, your website at least do a breakdown of all of the new signees. It's something for me, it makes crunching all the numbers and stuff so much easier when I do my research for these little episodes. But um, looking down sure. at the breakdown of that, you guys are bringing in six offensive linemen in this 2022 signing class here. What is your involvement 
when it comes to those offensive linemen. Obviously, that's your position group, but they're not all six of them, at least I would assume most of the time, are conveniently going to be placed in your respective recruiting area. So how does that right. dynamic work as far as that area coach bringing it to you? When does that happen, and what does that process look like for you guys? No, great question. And so I think, like, for us, we're – GLIAC schools in general and us, we're no different, are so specialized in terms of, you know, we're going to recruit the Midwest and we're going to recruit, you know, Chicago – and we're going to recruit, you know, all the whole state of Michigan and, you know, a lot of parts of Ohio and northern Indiana and things like that. At least that's what we do at FDSU. So um, we have pretty big areas um, and, you know, we bring the kids back. Most of the area recruiting really is done in the spring. And so all the kids that I think have a chance to get recruited out of my area, I've got a good piece of Metro Detroit and then a little bit of the west side and then about half of Chicago myself and one other coach that's Chicago and okay. we got three really good players out of Chicago that we really like but it, that, that happens really early and we get to positional recruiting I think fairly quickly um, and got so I, I think you know offensive linemen are I'm trying to think of the, the best way to phrase this we're, we're, we're snobs in a way in terms of <laughs> man if you didn't live like my life like I've spent, you know, the, my whole life being kind of like big and uncomfortable and unusually sweaty and like all these things <laughs> that offensive linemen are. It's like, listen, if you didn't like under, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't go through life like I did, I don't know if I can necessarily you know, trust you. So I think the offensive line coach has always got to be really involved with all those guys that uh, that you're recruiting. And, and I was really involved with all those guys. I know we've got a, a fellow Lake Orion guy, obviously Trevor Witt. We got on yes, really sir. early. Of course. And, um, you know, and Trevor was just such a freak show at, at, at camp, and we were really excited about him. And Trevor committed really before the, the season even started. And yep. I think we had three of the six guys really that were, were done before the season started. So um, ended up with two Chicago guys, one of those. And it's hard to get Chicago guys very early because they're just they're, it's, it's an area that is recruited by the West and by the you know all the schools in the Midwest. Yeah, we're we're down there quite of, a bit too. We have a surprising amount of kids sure. from Chicago, and I've talked to our coaches about uh, you know almost wondering about that fact and why that is. And I think a lot of it has to do with the stigma around the bridge and going across that bridge into the UP. Obviously, the kids from Chicago come up through Wisconsin, and there is no you know that's kind of a race. So it's it's an interesting thing for us, but we we definitely draw from from there quite a bit. And looking at the rest of your signing day stats here, it's a couple of numbers that stand out to me. The obvious one is uh, out of the 26 total uh, signees that you had, five of them were state champions, which is obviously a great number because you want winners at every level of your program. But a great one was that 25 of the 26 are on some type of academic scholarship, which is huge, and not a lot of programs can say that. But the best number from an outsider's perspective for me is that 18 of the 26 guys that you're bringing on were team captains. And I think that speaks the most volume out of this out of any of these signing day stats, would you agree with me on that? Without question. And so many of the things that, you know, Coach Anise did at Ferris, Coach Brady was, was there right with them uh, for a you know, long period of time. And there was a lot of those metrics that really were the pillars of some of those tremendous teams, obviously, that Ferris still has, you know, without question. Um, and uh, so a, a lot of that stuff was a big deal for us. We want leaders. We want great students. We want great players. We want all the things that everybody else wants. And I think the hard thing is, what do you do as a program when you're forced to compromise? Well, this kid doesn't really fit all these things that we really want, but he's a really good athlete, right? Yeah. So I think what we think, right, at SPSU is, is ultimately going to separate us from from everybody else over the course of the next few years. We feel like we, we did a really good job not making some of those sacrifices and not making, you know, 
doing some of those things that some folks do. And mm-hmm. when you look at team captains, that's such a huge deal. So you hit the nail on the head in terms of what types of kids do you want on your, in your locker room? What types of kids do you want standing next to you when it's fourth and one and you have to go win against a rival or you have to go win a big football game or win a playoff game or win a, win a game to go to the playoffs and some of those types of things. And typically if you said, oh, we have a team captains standing there, you feel pretty good about your chances 100%. and about the types of roster that, that you built and things like that. So that's something that's really important to us. And I think Coach Brady deserves a bunch of credit in terms of really sticking to his guns in terms of some of these criteria. And we've got some tremendous athletes and we've got some tremendous players and things totally, like that. But totally. some of those metrics were a big deal for us and we feel really good about what we're able to go out and get. Yeah, that's awesome. I'd love to get Coach Brady on sometime. We were trying to set something up earlier, but unfortunately I think it, it fall through um, as we got close to that. I, I'll have to reach out again because I'd love to get him on here and, and, and talk with him a bit. But you talked a little bit about there. Who do you want next to you when you play a team like a rival. And that was kind of goes into the next thing I was going to talk to you about because you guys have already released your schedule for this upcoming season. Um, and Northwood sits at number three there. So that's good that you're going to be keeping that game. I don't think that's a surprise to too many people, obviously, but that will now be an out of conference as they're moving to the GMAC um, for those who have not uh, seen the news, but even more so looking at your first two games here, uh, you're opening with two playoff teams, which is something that is awesome to see from the GLIAC because that means you're going out and pursuing very good competition. Week one, you're at Lindenwood, who lost to Grand Valley, obviously, in the first round there. And then week two, you are hosting Bowie State. So those are two teams that obviously have a, a good history of football, and those are going to be some character builders the first two weeks of the season for you guys, for sure. Yeah, no question. And, and Lindenwood is such a tremendous place, and they've got a tremendous staff. We went down there and played them. Um, in 2019 and, man, had them beat with like a minute and a half left and they came down and, and made a great play and beat us. So it was a really close competitive game then. And we played Bowie last year and had to go all the way out to Baltimore. Yep. And what was probably the, the craziest week I've ever – we were convinced like Wednesday at 8 o'clock p.m. that there's no way we were going to play that game due to due to some COVID protocol stuff oh, that, that we, had, we had discovered. So it was like – um, though that's, that's, that's a big part of the revenge tour. And then obviously we've got Tech on there twice. Tech is really, really good, does a fantastic job. And uh, obviously we've got Ferris and GV. So we really feel like there's, um, I mean, there really is six playoff games on there. Obviously, oh, yeah. the Gleak doesn't get as many teams into the playoffs as, as uh, maybe, maybe we should. But at the same time, it's, man, if you want to go someplace and you want to play in a SEC type, Every game is really, really competitive and it's going to be you know, separated by a couple of plays. And totally. All the best players in the country in Division Two, uh, I shouldn't say all the best, but we, we, we really feel good about the level of competition. And when kids decide to come play in the GLIAC, man, they're signing up for an ultra-competitive environment where they're going to be pushed. And that's why. You know, we, we got six playoff games on the schedule and obviously four of those teams actually went to the playoffs last year. And Exactly, you know, and one we, of them we, did we extremely short. well. And you talk about the game – uh, just a little bit from the game that you guys played against them this season that, you know, I, for one, did not expect. You guys had a very solid team all around, and, and we saw that firsthand when we came down to play you guys. We got up on you early, but then, you know, that second half of that game was a totally different game. The momentum shifted. But talk about that Ferris game, how close that one was, and then to see them go on their dominant playoff run. You guys obviously gave them a much better game than any of those guys. Sure, and and I think it was a big deal for our kids and for our program because, we knew the way we wanted to build the program. Coach Brady knew how he wanted to build it. He knew what we, you know, what types of what types of things would be important for us. And we really had not been competitive with Ferris 
for a long time. We we were up on them at half in 2018, and they essentially woke up in the second half and yep. kind of said, "All right, that's 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 there'll, there'll be no more of that type of thing." And and so obviously for us, uh, you know, that was the first time we had had a hundred yard rusher against Ferris State uh, since like 2009, since way before Coach Anise had even got there. With you know, Tommy Scott had a really nice game against oh, yeah. them and made some big plays, and, and obviously we went to overtime with them, and we were disappointed. And there's no right. There's there's no moral victories in, in football. That's we know that because we we have high aspirations and we want to win championships and um, do some of these things that uh, you know the Ferris is actually doing right now. Uh, Coach Brady and I did you know together in, in, in college at GVSU and we won a bunch of national championships. And so I think we've got a pretty good idea as to what it takes. But before you you walk and before you run, you got to crawl. And so I think for us uh, to stand toe to toe with those guys and feel like you know what we're there's, there's the, maybe the gap has shrunk quite a bit to, to the point that yeah. maybe there's not much of a gap left was, I think, a pretty neat deal for our kids. That's awesome. And yeah. at some point, you've got to do different things for your program to raise the bar. Say, hey, listen, this, this used to be the bar, and now the bar's here. It's changed, and it's different. And um, so I think it, it changes how we do everything we do that now the expectations that have shifted um, towards where we think we want to go. And so that was a huge step uh, yeah, towards that. That's so. that's great. And, um, you know, finishing off the schedule, like you said, tech, getting tech twice is huge. Um, you always look at, especially now losing uh, multiple teams out of the GLIAC, getting those, which which team are going to be matched up with multiple times during the year. Uh, you guys will be coming up to the Dome Saturday, uh, November 5th. So I'll be definitely looking towards that one against you guys. But um, otherwise, Coach, it's really all I have for you. I, I, time flies when you come on here, man. Friend of the show, Coach Burton, I really appreciate you coming on here. Guys, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Love to be considered a friend of the show. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll continue to watch and appreciate you having me on. You're the man, Coach. Have a good one. I'll talk to you. Yes, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Great talking with friend of the show, Coach Burton. Absolutely fantastic to have him on again. Really thankful for um, you know his availability to get on here and, and talk some good football with us. But the biggest football that we've all wanted to talk about for a little bit here, and we have been just – without microphones in front of our faces, right, is Super Bowl 56, and it did not disappoint. As far as the entertainment value of a Super Bowl goes, um, there were a lot of controversy about the end of the game as far as the referees potentially blowing the game for the Bengals. I don't know. You can make an argument for either way. I think that's always going to happen when it comes to this sport, right, that the officials are going to be brought into it. But from a strictly entertainment standpoint, I was I was entertained. I was thoroughly entertained. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> one of the... One of the, obviously this is all over Twitter. One of the best throws I think I've ever seen in football. Matthew Stafford's no look on it was I believe it was a dig route to Cooper Cup. He completely looked left the linebacker. Yeah, look, the, like right behind his ear. Like yeah, skinny poster. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was just, it was it was over the middle of the field. Regardless, mm-hmm. of the, yeah, unbelievable throw. I'm the and not only was it just an incredible throw, it was on the game winning drive. Yeah, the timing of it was like talk about clutch. Yeah, that, that blew up. That got millions and millions of views on Twitter. So I'm assuming all of you have seen that one. But um, even other than that, he did have – we'll talk about him here. He finally got his ring after 12 seasons with the Lions. Stafford finally got a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. He didn't disappoint. He had 283 yards, three touchdowns. But he had the two costly interceptions that, um, you know, you take those out of the game, the momentum – I think the Rams really could bust that one open. And that was something that we had talked about, actually, that I had mentioned before, is that the Rams will go as far as Matthew Stafford does not turn the ball over. That just kind of been his characteristic throughout this season is that the only times where, I remember a game against the Ravens, distinctively, that he had turned the ball over a few times, and that game should not have been close. But that game came down to the wire. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for him to do that was kind of scary to me to watch. Um, but obviously, they pull it out. And uh, Cincinnati's defense, though. I don't know, though, because one of the picks... I remember one of the picks for sure was like 
It went right off uh, Skoranek's hands. Yeah, no, that was not. I know exactly what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, I don't. I can't remember what, what was. Yeah, the other was, one was there a corner of the end zone? Like the other he was, one was, he was bad. on. He was on the run. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to. He was like a gunslinger. It was like a gunslinger kind of play right there. That yeah. was a dumb. That was a dumb. That was a dumb. Pass. He, well, he led the league in picks this year. I don't know if you guys knew that. He actually. Matthew Stafford led the NFL in interceptions this year. It doesn't surprise me the way he's playing. It's it's a much more high risk, high reward. Type of yeah, offense. he threw 41 touchdowns. Also. Exactly. Seven had a f- fantastic season. Because I ask a lot of people, yeah. like, because, you know, I'm not from here. I'm like, was Matthew Stafford, like, always just, like, sporadic, like, erratic? Like, just, like, he made, like, he made great throws, and then he'd just make a throw. It's like, Jay Cutler. <laughs> well, it's funny, because you talk about that, uh, I said, the high-risk, high-reward, and you said, like, the 41 touchdowns compared to, what was it, how many, 17? 17 picks. 17 picks. Yeah. And you look back, and we've seen a lot of quarterbacks that do that. The one that comes to mind, actually, almost right away is James Winston. Yeah. Jay Cutler. Jay Brett, Cutler, Brett too. Favre, too, just guy. He, he yeah, is, Brett like, Favre. He leads the NFL in all-time interceptions. Yeah, in but he'll NFL never be remembered history. for that, which is No, crazy. never, no. No, because no. of how he won and in the fashion that yeah. he did win. Yeah. So, it's just kind of the way the NFL is trending, right? Turning the ball over is obviously still the worst thing you can do no, offensively, yeah. really. Horrible, but, horrible. But when you have the chance to go deep and throw down to weapons like Cooper Cup and, yeah. and Van Jefferson and, you know, some of those other guys in the Rams, that's – you just take the chance, right? Yeah. You just take, and it's not like you're throwing out a Calvin anymore. It's, it's no, a little bit yeah. different than that. Um, but the discussion for Stafford ha- has already shifted ridiculously to the Hall of Fame and whether or not getting a ring for him has cemented, you know – a bust of his head in Canton, right? Or something along those lines. Um, some people believe that he's earned it now with the Super Bowl ring. Others have been super outspoken against it, like Richard Sherman. He made some some good points regarding on, you know, how we throw around the term GOAT, how that gets tossed around very easily. Um, and for me, do you think the only reason this is being talked about so much is because of the fact this is his 13th season? Like, people are starting to think this might be... You know, the beginning of the end, I guess, for Matt Stafford. I I don't understand why we started speaking at a Hall of Fame. Me personally, I don't think that Matt Stafford is a Hall of Fame quarterback, though. Like if he retired today, if he retired today and never never did anything, no, I would have to agree. And I I love Matt Stafford. I I just I just don't. I don't. I would have to agree with that. I saw Sherman points, and it was it's valid points. There was never he's never made an All Pro team. There's never been a point in time where you said Matthew Stafford is the best quarterback in the league. And yeah, you can say. Um, I'm pulling up era, his quotes right now. Look in the era that he played in, but that's even more reason for you to be like, you weren't even considered one of the best, you know? Yep. Like, for a long time, Matt Stafford was a good quarterback. No one ever was like, Matt Stafford to get us to the Super Bowl. This is what Richard Sherman said initially on Twitter. Uh, he says, I'm going to talk about it now on the podcast, whatever, but he says basically the bar is incredibly low. He says like a participation trophy, not no all-decade team, no all-pro, no MVP, one Pro Bowl, not even MVP of the Super Bowl, never considered the best in any year he played. Then he finishes off with a stinger here, and he says at least Matt Ryan has an MVP. You feel like, me? Damn. And I don't really know if Matt Ryan MVP. Yeah. Or not, I wouldn't say MVP. He also goes fan, on to say. He wouldn't be first ballot. Yeah, he, he also goes to say that um, just throwing around Hall of Fame like that irks him. And I, I can agree with that. Like, I think people have to remember that, like, Hall of Fame is, is reserved for only the best the, of the, the best. The best of the best. Like, Devin Hester is not a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's crazy. Criminal. That's crazy. Yeah, I was livid about that. <clears throat> yeah. I was just, I mean, I pretended to be Devin Hester at recess every day when I was a little kid. Like, <laughs> like he's <laughs> the best returner in the history of the NFL. And he didn't get in first ballot. He's going to get in, but he's not a first ballot. That's like definition of, at least for a lot of people's uh, Hall of Fame definition. Is that if you're the the best best, at what you do. Exactly. If you're the best at your position, the best at what you do consistently, 
that's your ticket to Ken. Um, so, you know, I, I really get where Sherbin's coming from. I don't know if he had to be as polarizing about his take as he had to be, but maybe yeah. he's just trying to self promote the pod well, okay. a little bit. He's trying to get the podcast out there. Like, I get it. Let's discuss. Names right now, five active players who will who will retire and they will be in the Hall of Fame. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Active players. Active players. Oh, not so not counting Brady. Yeah, he just so retired. Aaron Rodgers. We just said Aaron Donald would Aaron obviously Donald, be one those if are he two. retired. Those are the two. Let's see. Who else would you take right now that if they were to retire tomorrow would be J.J. Watt would be in the Hall of Fame. Russell, Russell Wilson? I don't know. J.J. Watt would definitely be a Hall of Famer for sure. I'm trying J. J. to think Watt. of other uh, household names here. T.J. Mm. Watt? Uh, Julio Jones? T.J. Watt? No, no, not Julio. No, DeAndre Hopkins. You think so? D Hopper get in and Julio get in. I think, I think those are, those are five. I think they both might. You say okay, TJ Watt? TJ Watt if if TJ Watt hasn't done enough. Mm, mm, if he goes and has a no, bunch of gotta, six gotta gotta seasons, more. but TJ Watt's a I'd say four Julio, time Pro Bowl, three time All Pro. He's depoy. Like I don't know. Like he's only been the, the league for five helps. years, but like the depoy helps. Dude, like he's three All Pros in a depoy. He's twenty seven. Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl. Eventually, eventually, yes. Twenty seven years old. Right now, no. He's not, he's well on his way. Though. Exactly, That's exactly. But we yeah. said if they retire today. But I think I think Julio and D Hop are two pretty good. Well, Julio, pretty Julio good is a lock, and like it's not even a question. He's, he has thirteen thousand receiving yards. Yeah, mm-hmm. Julio's in. So I, those would be my two picks then. Uh, Antonio Brown is also in the Hall of Fame without question. Okay. Anto- not, Antonio Brown no should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but Willie, I don't know if he's gonna get in. But Willie. That's tw- he has twelve thousand receiving yards. Oh, I know. He's Chad Johnson not in the, in the not we in all, Hall of Fame. He, he only has ten, but still, she, only yeah, oh, has ten. No, no, I'm not saying only. I'm saying like in, relative to Antonio Brown. I'm saying relative, oh, relative to AB. Good. I mean, Ocho Cinco is like the man. I'm not. That's I'm not hitting on Ocho. Um, eleven thousand, eleven thousand flat, six, sixty-seven touchdowns. Yes, yeah, so we'll, we'll see where he this. In, we'll yeah. see where this Hall of Fame conversation goes with Stafford. I don't think he's done yet. I think he's still got a lot of good football ahead of him. Not a lot. I don't mean like you know eight to ten years of football. No, he's still got. A, I think he got another three. You know? exactly, that's what I'm saying. He's got some good football ahead of him, especially if he does stay in LA, which I, I assume he would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people. You are, heard the rumors are, about McVay. People are hoping about for a Detroit comeback. What are you talking about? They saying McVay might like step away. Oh, I did hear that. Well, they, they were saying Aaron Donald might retire too, but now he's like toying with the fact about coming back. I think he's undecided very much so right they now. They say Aaron Donald want to become the highest paid player, the highest paid defensive player if he want to come back. I saw be. that. I don't know the As validity of that. But I saw that Sean McVay, like he's like, he doesn't want to, because once like Stafford's gone, it's over. They don't have any draft picks. About to bring back Jared Goff. You feel me? So they're like, like, <laughs> no, they he's, con- like he's contemplating like retiring. So he did wouldn't you see have to the be shirt that the owner was wearing. Yeah, f them draft picks. And it, it like yeah, right now in the moment it's cool, but yeah, in like but five now, like, years yeah. they are going to be in hell, probably. But you got a ring. Who cares? Yeah, if you they got a ring. If they didn't get a ring, then you look like an idiot. Yeah, then you look like an For idiot. Sure. But but McVay, um, he's looking at and he's looking at the future. It'll be interesting. You're right because maybe he tries to leave. You know, get out of a dumpster fire, much like Sean Payton did. Mm-hmm. Think about that. And the situation, not done. the situation that the Saints are in right now, as far as their cap space is concerned, and the way that that, that team is structured, he got out at the right time. And he yeah. was, I think he was planning that. But um, the other storyline, we have a couple more that I wanted to cover, but a really good one is, is Eli Apple becoming the meme of the game, and he got dragged on Twitter. He got harassed. Oh, my he got gosh. Harassed. Like, Look, yeah, it what was I've bad. what I've seen though, he kind of deserved it. He was so he, a, he was total smack talker. Dude, he everything. was so active on Twitter up until that game. Yeah, and he was going at everybody. He literally was coming at everybody. And th- when that happens, you just have to expect that the backlash will be just as powerful, if not more so. 
I don't well, think he was ready for that. No, I wasn't he's ready getting, for that. He's getting cyberbullied. Let's not sugarcoat it. <laughs> he's getting Eli Apple is getting cyberbullied. <laughs> so Eli Apple, he let up for those of you who you know live under some type of stone. He let up the game winning touchdown against Cooper Cup with just over a minute to go. NFL players let him have it on Twitter. This is the same guy that came out and said that he hates both the Giants and Saints fans. Those are the two former teams that he's played for, both of which he wasn't very good for. And stat-wise, you could make an argument, but as far as the team chemistry point goes, he was awful. Landon Collins from New York even called him a cancer when they played together before he was eventually suspended from the team for his behavior. So I think character-wise, that says all you need to know about a guy like that. So do you feel even you feel bad for the guy? Like, you have any type of remorse? No, I it's don't. funny. It, uh, and I think... I think it's only funny because that's what comes with the territory. Exactly. Like if you're the type talk, of player that yeah. he is, and when you talk like that, it's only it's only going to come back to bite you in a. You know what I'm saying. It's, <laughs> yes. It is what it is. I know is, exactly man. what you're saying. If yeah. he was, if like, if he never said anything and he went out there and gave him a touchdown, <laughs> it's like it'd be like, damn, like, what you, <laughs> chill. <laughs> but you like add in cheetah, talk about cheetah pack. McCole Hartman, you yep. suck. And, you know, oh, yeah, McCole, McCole posted that uh, little video of the ring saying yeah. something like, you need to get better at your craft and you get you one of these, yeah, something so like it's that. Like, it's like, yeah, like, what like, What do you expect? And now you come back, all you're doing is lighting, giving me fuel to yep, the fire. Yeah, so the quote, the quote from him, yeah, you said you guys have, you know, ignited a fire in me. And I, I'm like, what yeah, are you? sure, pal. Who wrote that? My name's not getting resigned. What's his overall Madden? That cracked me up. Terrible. Yeah, like a Terrible. 70, 76? <laughs> That's awesome. But I did see the, the, the post on Instagram that he had. The caption was um, longer than my write-up for the podcast today of all of our notes and stuff. So it was ridiculous. Um, but for some reason, he felt the need to just express all of his emotions in that Instagram caption. Um, I almost feel like the way to go would just be to lay low after something like that and not yeah. say yeah. anything. Yeah. Let, it, would, like, uh, let it blow I, over. I was probably, right? I'm probably deleting social media. For a little bit. Taking, uh, I mean, taking a nice uh, break. Yeah. You know, but, maybe. Uh, I... Uh, Noting the fact that uh, Eli Apple is getting harassed, this is nothing compared to what Chicago was doing to Cody Parkey. <laughs> I mean, it's more of a this is more of like a national yeah. like thing. But if you're yeah. talking about like, like density of like people, ridicule. That, yeah, like Cody Parkey, to, there yeah. were people who wanted Cody's Parkey Parkey head. No, like that. <laughs> people were sending them death threats in the mail. I don't see that Eli Apple could get any death threat. Like no, Cody, you're right. People in Chicago, like I'm, this is not me. People are like actually crazy. They wanted, literally wanted him dead. Like, like the like, videos yeah. of people leaving that stadium that night. Yeah. Oh they my wanted blood. God. Yeah. They yeah. wanted blood. Real yeah. life though. And like, it's crazy too because like you said, you described it very well. This is a very nation, uh, national type yeah. of like social media hate, whatever. Yeah. You talk about the concentration of that and the pure oh. hatred for that guy. He, yeah. would, he would probably wouldn't be able to show his face anywhere for months. No, no, no. Like, Cody Parkey cannot. Be, he will mm-hmm. never. He will never step foot in Chicago again. Ever. I wouldn't if I were ever again. That's a flight risk. It's like it's a, It's almost like Steve Bartman two I don't know if you guys know this whole story, but in two thousand three, like the Cubs, like you know, they never won a World Series like forever. Yeah. And this this fan like interfered with a, interfered with a foul. Oh ball. my gosh! And then like, yes. they like blamed it on him, and yes. like the, the Cubs made like four or five errors. And he, I'm a proud White Sox fan. By oh the way. my So I found goodness. all this hilarious. What was going on with the? Cubs. I know exactly who you're talking but, uh, about too. Yeah. And he got so many death. I, uh, you're wasn't right. it going to be the third out? No, it was like the seventh inning or something. And then, but and I'm then saying the, the third of, out of the inning, though. Yeah, and, yeah, then, and, then, yeah, the, and yeah. then the rest of the... Because the, I know Moses about all the errors even, and stuff, but... He might I'll, not even have caught the ball, though, because it was like a really hard play. He was like jumping into the stands to catch the ball. I know, like, but we'll just never know. It's one of those things, yeah, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> that I, I thought you feel terrible for a guy like that. Because he's just oh, trying Steve to catch Barman, a, yeah. He's trying to catch a ball, man. Exactly. Because, look, they kept putting the camera on. Like, every time they did an error, they put the camera on him. Bro. And then they had to escort him out the game. Uh-huh. Because they, like, knew it was going oh. to get ugly for him. 
It's yeah. bad. Um, they're but like throwing stuff at him. He was like, it was a thirty uh, for thirty for that. I remember. Oh yeah, it's a good one. Um, but there's yeah. another another story that I want to talk about a bit was uh, Rams wide receiver Van Jefferson hustling to the hospital for his newborn. That was a really cool story that um, some articles have been posted now with a little bit more details. But basically, his wife Samaria went into labor in the middle of the Super Bowl. She was carried out in a stretcher, but told the Rams staff not to tell her husband because she wanted him to keep playing and thought that if he knew, then he might leave to go be by her side, which. That's tough. Understandable, right? I mean, what's what's going on there? You got your mic messed up. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you just fine. Bro, I can't hear myself. Okay, hold on. <laughs> oh, I can hear myself again. I guess it just came out the ear. I'm like, bro, what the fuck? Yeah, it came out a little bit. This whole thing with uh, Van Jefferson. Hold on, hold on. I'm just gonna cut yeah. it. I'm just gonna cut it, bro. Every I'm talking about everything just cut. I'm like, what? The? Are you good? What happened? It, I guess it just came. Why out. is it spinning on you like that? No, it wasn't. I, Are you good? It, <laughs> it was the headphones. Oh. And, like, it everything just, just went silent. And I'm like, well, what the fuck? And I couldn't hear myself. See, my shit's, shit's all in over here. Yeah, it came out right here. Oh, I see, I see. I'm like. Let me, uh, yo, I'll give you a little more. I'll give you a little more. Uh, I, I got that. That's literally my next purchase is longer cords. Bro, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> all right, we good now? Yeah, all right, all right, um, all right, all right, all right. I'll just restart that there. But, um. His wife, Samaria, went into labor in the middle of the Super Bowl. She's carried out in a stretcher, but told the Rams staff not to tell her husband because she wanted to make sure that he stayed in the game and didn't leave to be by her side during birth, which, like, actually kind of a possibility. Like, yeah. It's like Super Bowl or be by your wife when she has your child. Uh, I got it. You like, either – it's like it's – if, 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 if he knew – yeah, I bet he would have left. I would, like, I would for it's sure. Like, it's your kid. It is. Yeah. You can't. I don't think there's any way you. <laughs> yeah, you can't miss that. So I, I can understand play. her. <laughs> I'm not leaving the Super Bowl. Yeah. You lying, bro? You I, lying? On everything I love. <laughs> on everything I love. I'm not leaving the Super Bowl for no bird, not for, for your no child, kid. No. not for your own kid being born, not for your own kid. Damn. It wasn't even his first. <laughs> It was his second. I don't care. I don't care. Bro, no, bro. You don't know if you're going to ever go back to the Super Bowl. I could go and make another kid, bro. You cannot. You can't can't get the the Super Bowl back, but there's no guarantee. Bro, I can get a childbirth back. I'm not leaving the Super Bowl, bro. I was not expecting that. Bro, I, don't that's just get, I don't think you can get a childbirth back, but <laughs> no, bro. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know how much can hey, go I mean, wrong I, during thing, childbirth? Like, like you know how much can go wrong during my career and I'll never get back to the Super Bowl? <laughs> and my only memory of the Super Bowl is leaving to go see a child get born. And then say they lost. He'd be like, damn, we the one if I never left. But now, granted, Van Jefferson didn't do nothing like the whole second <laughs> half. But, so I guess he could have left. <laughs> but, he had two catches for like 50 yards. Bro, in theory, bro, first. I'm like, your wife's giving birth. You want to leave? Nah, I'll be there after the game. <laughs> I, I hope we win because if we lose, I'm going to be in the room sick. Bro, I'm not leaving the Super Bowl. That's me, though. That's me, though. I'm not like everybody else. Well, uh, I mean, let me like, pose another question. Will he ever have a better day? Never. Win a Super Bowl Never. and have a child on the same day? Never. Like, I hate to say it, Van, but like, you're not. You're, that's your peak, dude. That you're, everything is from here is downhill. Unless he does it again. Unless he has a wins the Super Bowl and has a kid on the same day yeah, again. Like, yep, yep. They're like twins on the He'll same day. He'll have a better day. I don't know. When one I, of his kids graduates be. high school or college, that'll be the best day of his Stop life. Stop it. No. Stop it. No. You can't say know. that. I don't know about that. You don't got no kids, so you don't know how I feel. <laughs> you your do. mom is probably so proud seeing you in this basement <laughs> doing a podcast. That's probably better than her marriage. Like that's probably better than the day she got married, and she probably loves your father like no other. But she's probably so happy that right now you're in a basement doing a podcast. 
with your clown. Shout out, shout out Mrs. Manzo. <laughs> shout out Mrs. Manzo on her spray Shout out Mrs. Manzo. <laughs> Call her. This house this is really cool. Oh, I like this oh, house well. a lot. It's pretty cool. Yeah, we're, we're in the new crib today. We will be getting uh, a lot of big things coming from, from D1 Redux and a little intermission note here. Uh, uh, a new studio in progress. So hopefully getting the video version of the podcast back sooner than later. Um, but but back on Van Jefferson, Super Bowl, NFL Films got a mic'd up clip of him finding out from one of the Rams staff members that his wife was actually giving birth um, like right after the game ended. And um, the reaction was was awesome. He uh, grabbed his daughter and was seen rushing off the field to get to the hospital, which is exactly how I would assume every oh, know, father would yeah. react. Um, so that was really cool. But it's kind of funny when you put it into perspective, Ty, is that he really ain't do shit the second half. It was like he had two big time catches, and then it was. I'm saying, and it's like yeah. he was just chilling. <laughs> he was just along for the Man, ride. Came the third quarter. Hey, your your wife's giving. She's in labor, and they losing. <laughs> She'll be all right. I'll beat her after the game. She'll be all right. But another wide receiver for the Rams, who had himself a hell of a day, was Cooper Cup. He wins the Super Bowl MVP to cap off. An incredible season by him. He finished Super Bowl with eight catches for 92 yards, two big touchdowns, also had the one carry on the fourth down to convert. That was a huge play call huge, from them. Huge Loved play. that. Loved that, by the way, to keep that drive alive. Um, he's also the first receiver since 2005. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a little trivia in a second. But since 2005, to win the receiving triple crown by leading the league in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. Who was the last one to do it? 2005? Yep. Just give me the, just give me the conference. That would be, oh gosh, oh gosh, NFC South. Come on, that's, that's, I, I Roddy to, White? Do I need to play the cricket noises? Roddy White? Nope. NFC so, see, that, that's oh. Falcons, Panthers, Bucks, Saints. Yep. I, I'm trying to break this down, okay? Panthers. Mushi Muhammad. Was this Mushi Muhammad? No. Nope. Steve was, Smith? Steve, Steve Smith? Smith? There we yeah, go. Bing, There we go. There we go. Yeah, so Steve Smith was the last one to do it in 2005. He's the first one since then to have that record, and that's like, that's impressive, man. That is do you think, extremely impressive. Do you think this is the greatest receiving season of all time? Yes. You've got to make an argument for yes. it. I say no. No. Calvin Johnson. I agree. Was he the Super Bowl MVP? I agree. Calvin Johnson. Uh, he wasn't Super Bowl MVP. I go off straight dominance, and I agree with you, Ty. Right. But, like, there but, was no, like, like Jimmy, you know what I'm saying? Like I say, bro, I watch football. Yeah. Theoretically, there is no way that you can stop a slot receiver. You cannot press someone in the slot. Or you will continuously get beat. Yep. Like, it's like Calvin Johnson, he's a wide receiver. He's the X. And they were like double teaming him like a gunner. He still went for 1,900 yards. Yeah. Like, no, I, I agree with you. I do. and But I, I do also see the side that it, that is Cooper Cup and the incredible season that he Cooper had. Cooper Cup was a monster. I had him in fantasy football. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I was loving everything. Oh, you were he was loving doing. that. I just, I, I can't get away from the fact he won Super Bowl MVP and he had. 16 touchdowns and 1,900 yards. Yeah. Like, like listen, listen. Megatron is – it's it's Megatron, dude. Like, I'm not – like, this is not me coming at Megatron. He, nine, he, had nine, he had more yards, actually, but he only had five touchdowns. Like, but he didn't – like, didn't – you need Super Bowl MVP. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like, dude, Megatron's a – Malcolm back. Smith won Super Bowl MVP. I don't even know who that is. Point exactly. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Re- regardless, Megatron's a way better receiver than Cooper Cup. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying yeah. a single season, who I, I would take Cup season. Over if Megatron. Odell didn't get hurt, he'd have won Super Bowl MVP. You think Cup so? Had? Cup had, Cup had two, two, touchdowns? two touchdowns and like 92 yards, eight catches. Odell had 40 less yards on what? Odell was having himself a game. Catches? He was having himself a game. Yeah, you know, he you're was, right. Yeah. And, and he definitely right. could have happened. We, we won't know, but. We I, won't know. I'm exactly, not I'm not but, trying to take anything away from yeah. Cooper Cup. I'm just saying, me personally, 
I feel that in Unreal Calvin Jones. Yeah, we all agree on that for sure. Had the greatest. Um, but as far as you know, the Rams go. Or actually, just, let's stay on the Cooper Cup for a second here. Did you guys see what he was talking about? How he had a vision last year about winning the Super Bowl MVP. No, I didn't see that. You didn't see that. So I guess after losing last year, it would have been the um, division around to the Packers. Yes. So no, wait, no. It yeah. Was it, it was the Packers? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So after losing the playoffs last year, walking off the field, he supposedly had some type of vision about he didn't know what it really what it meant, but basically he knew that he was going to win the Super Bowl MVP. That's what he said, and he didn't share this with anyone but his wife. And he told his wife this and didn't tell anyone else because obviously if you say some shit like that, you're going to get ridiculed like Eli Apple right now. Like th- that would not just fly, right? It, supposedly this is what he's saying is that he basically had this vision and it was like shown to him that he is going to be the Super Bowl MVP and here we are. So I guess he was, you know, like you, Ty, sick a couple days ago. He was having an out-of-body experience on that field. Hey, <laughs> shout out to anybody, whoever got sick and you felt like you weren't going to make it. I was done fighting. I was just going to let God handle that. He kept me here. So but well, so did you have some sort of virus? Like, what, what was the deal going on? I don't virus. know. But I tested for COVID. It was negative. All I know is that Saturday, I thought I was going to die. Yeah. But, I mean, you guys didn't hear anything about that, huh? No, I, I, I didn't hear about That's kind of crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. No, it's unreal. And the fact that he only uh, shared it with his wife is is something that's that's really interesting to me. Because like but, you said, you don't just walk up, yeah, <laughs> going to win Super Bowl MVP. Right? What? Cool. We just lost. So here it is right here. Cup told reporters after the game that he visualized. No, this was, it says three years ago. So here we go. Sorry, I, I mistook that. It was not last year. In February of 2019, the Rams just lost Super Bowl to the Patriots. Right? Cup was on the sidelines. Um, he had torn his ACL three months earlier. And he said, this is the quote from him. There was, a vi- there was this vision that God revealed to me that we're going to come back and we're going to be a part of a Super Bowl. We were going to win it. And somehow I was going to walk off the field as the MVP of the game. He said he was walking off the field. It was clear as day to him. That is something you just don't hear very often. Can I bring some breaking news? You can. Aaron Donald said he'll come back if the Rams resign Odell Beckham Jr. and Von Miller. Shut up. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm dead ass. Well, they, they Why did probably I not? will. Like, I, I, why, why wouldn't you re-sign Von Miller? You just traded the first-round pick for him. Like, yeah, you kind of have to re-sign Von Miller. And the like, way that he played, can we can we talk about yeah, that? Von, he, Miller, Von Miller played incredibly in the Super Bowl. He was fantastic, not only in the Super Bowl, but throughout the entire playoffs. Yeah. He played very well. He had one of the best defensive ratings out of anyone in the playoffs. No, I I saw this stat on PFF the other day. Very quietly uh, too. I might he add. has the two highest graded Super Bowl performances by a defensive and outside linebacker in Super Bowl history. He has the two two highest. Yeah, the one, the first one, obviously being the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, he the Broncos. Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was unreal. Yeah, um, the strip sack of Cam Newton. That was, I mean, that, yeah. that broke basically my heart. won them the game. Iconic. I know it probably did, didn't you? Cam Newton's my favorite player. Really? I just knew yeah. he was gonna get himself a ring. But Odell getting the ring is like the second best thing for me, though. So it's yeah. okay. <laughs> but you know, I, I I don't think that's too far out of the question as far as bringing those two back, like Jimmy was saying. I think that's really within reason for I them. I figured they would. Think Von yeah. Miller. Von Miller is going to cost a pretty penny. Mm-hmm. Odell already already Odell already said that he'll uh, take a pay cut, and he, he just got hurt, so he'll probably have to take a pay I was cut. Say, I don't know if he has much choice in that. And and but he has said that before the game, though. Yeah. And Von Miller, I don't know, because Von Miller is still a high quality pass rusher, so he'll get chased by some contenders. Do you think they'll give him, like, a one-year, like, $25 million deal or something like NFL that? NFL players don't take one-year deals. 
Or maybe two years. Like, well, how old is he? He's kind of old. Maybe, like, say, maybe he, like, he, he like might. 32, 33. He might take a one or two year deal. To Von, be to be honest, you're looking kind of like the Rams. Like, I mean, Von maybe Miller, he gets more offers. Let's see how old he is. I think he might, man. That's that's what I think. But two you know, years at the least. Say two years, forty five. Two, years, right? two, year, two, years, Von, 40, two Von, years, forty million dollars. Von Miller is thirty two years old. He'll be looking for a three year deal to walk out on. Welcome to the sunset. Three years. I'm giving. I'm giving Von Miller three years, fifty five million. And he'll take that. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe fifty million. He'll take fifty five. <laughs> you ain't gotta throw. <laughs> you shouldn't even throw numbers out like that. You don't go. I'll give you sixty million. All right. Fifty five. <laughs> no, I'm saying. I'm saying. I'm saying. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like you telling me. I clean your shoes for uh twenty five dollars. Uh. Thirty dollars? No, you said twenty five already. <laughs> you it's over with. You know? You gotta be low bong with Ty. <laughs> yeah, you can't low that's, that's funny. But um no, I, I really do think there's a good chance that they, they bring him back and so they'll have um a lot of those key pieces, assuming that they get that that trio sorted out, which will it happen? There's a good chance, right? There's a good assuming they can make the salary cap work. Right now though, in the NFL, the state of the NFL, it seems like the salary cap is is, is just an invisible number. Yeah. It feels like it just doesn't affect him. And it's something that is Pretty interesting to follow is that they have these very certain individuals that work in each franchise that are just salary cap number crunchers and no, salary it's, cap reorganizers. It's definitely visible. The Bears can't sign a soul. It's visible. <laughs> it's a real number. They need to get some some uh, we need, finance majors in there. Yeah, that. we need something because we can't sign anybody. But I heard we might be in a runner for Devontae Adams. I would love that. Really? Yeah. There's, I did not hear that one. I, there's How about no let's stay let's stay NFC North, Vikings new head coach. Mm, Kevin O'Connell? Yeah. Kevin Connors, I believe. I think it's O'Connell. Where's he from again? It is O'Connell. You're correct. Yeah, I know. <laughs> is he from is he um, San Francisco? Where's he from? No, he's from the Rams. He's I'm, from I'm the not Rams. I'm not yeah. like high on like offensive coordinators who didn't call the plays. Yeah, I agree. I'm not like I'm not too that's that's what Matt Nagy was, an offensive yeah. coordinator who didn't call the plays where he was. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not high on that. I get it in a in like a in a way, like but at the same time I don't. Like, how are you going to hire someone who's going to – not saying he can't call plays, but he didn't as the head coach. Yeah. Um. So, he's know. he's coming out. He's been with Cleveland, San Francisco, also with Washington. Um. So – Seems like he, everyone has coached for Washington. It does. And this is – they're actually listed as the commanders on this article. I guess we could talk about that. You know, we haven't talked to them since – referenced them as anything other than the Washington football team for so long. That's facts. What do we think about that? The command. I don't, I don't know. love it. I don't, it, it was I don't love they. It. They weren't going to come up with like some crazy name everybody's going to love, anyways. I know they weren't, but like, come on. The commanders. What their logo stinks too. The Admirals. Their logo stinks. I, to me personally, I feel like they should just stay at the football team. Really? Yeah. Get a logo. Just stay at the football team. If there was no yeah. name, is the WFT. commanders better than the football team? No. Not. You could have gone like the the USA Rocks. It's DC. That's okay. That's what I was thinking. You know what I mean? Because you got the Nationals and the Capitals. You, you could have done something else too. Like I don't know. Yeah, I, I have no idea. But it, I, I was kind of disappointed. The by Nationals, the Capitals, the Wizards. <laughs> the way how I don't know what they and the Commanders. They got, they, they got they got three cool names. The Wizards is an awesome name. Like Wizard, like that's cool. <laughs> that's and then, and then like the Commander is it someone? It's something in the Army, right? I think. What the military? Like that's like a commander. commander. Yeah, yeah, sure, right. Of course, you think, but it is. But um, so I guess it is USA. Then I yeah, commander. I mean that makes sense. They should have just stayed the football team. Yeah. I'm kind of with you. Know. Stay the football team and get a decent. I guess the logo wasn't even bad. I mean, I guess redesigning uniforms that that'd be it. The uniforms are all right. 
But it's it's interesting. I guess to to close out the pod here, the one last thing I did want to touch on was <gasps> uh, what? Um. Oh yes. Um. Jaden Daniels. He entered the transfer portal. Who's that? He was the former five star quarterback for Arizona State, and I don't he know just said name. like a month ago that he was going to stay. And then today he entered the transfer portal, and his now former teammates cleaned out his locker for him. Not in a kind gesture either. They threw all the stuff in the trash. No shit. In his, yeah. I did not know that. Um, but uh, looking at you – know, you guys know I love some uh, some USFL, right? And we, we talk about it a little bit here. The they had their – they had their uh, their uniform reveals today. Did you see any of those? No, I didn't. They look interesting. The Michigan the Michigan Panthers uh, dropped the dropped the ball on their on their yeah. uni reveal. I cannot lie to you. Um, they also have the first <laughs> pick in the lottery draft, which is big time. The Michigan Panthers do. So I am uh, I'm 100 percent here for that. Let me find. You think they draft Johnny Manziel first overall? <laughs> That's a great question, dude. We could start speculating as to who the hell they're going to pick with that first pick in the. In the draft. Here we go. First overall pick in oh the inaugural gosh. USFL draft. Yeah, you're looking at them right now. Bro, these are horrible. <laughs> you're, not wrong. you're not wrong. Carolina Blue. You're not wrong, man. It's uh it's tough. There's uh less than sixty days though until USFL football. So I'm stoked for it, dude. Less I'm, than I'm excited 60 to watch. days? Yeah, it's a couple months away. When's the draft? I know it's gotta be soon, man. <laughs> I'm like, when hey, are they gonna hey, do this? Question it comes question. back in April. Question Answer. for you guys. If the uh, Michigan Panthers call one of you guys and say, hey, we're going to pick you to be on the team, would you would you drop out of school and go play with them? I'd go drop out to be their team reporter. <laughs> you kidding me? It depends, to, it depends, like, the level of pay. Say they give you, like, 40 grand. 40 grand a year? Yeah, one, but say it's, like, the first year is, like, one year, 40 million. Not 40. 40K. <laughs> 40K. 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 That's just, like, a random You number. see who the Panthers head coach was? Jeff Fisher. I go I play for him. I don't. I don't know. Like that. That. That'd be tough. Because it would depend on like. You know what I mean? Are they paying for my living expenses, or do I have to pay for that? They're the most followed team in the USFL on social media. Yeah, because all the Michiganders are in love with them already. Yeah. They ain't even play a game yet. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. That. That'd be a tough sale for me. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. But I to uh, leave school? Like not, not if I sit on my ass, sure. And and right now they're going to be playing all of their games uh, in Birmingham, Alabama. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting because that's like you know, they probably can't afford to have all these separate stadiums and venues right right now. So it'll be yeah, that is interesting nice. to say in the least. I think they have a good chance to do something pretty do something pretty special. I think the XFL there's not going to be any XFL this spring. They're not coming back until 2023. So they have this you know this time frame to get something going right. So it'll be interesting for me. But um, I don't have anything else. If you got if you guys don't. Uh, as far as the NFL or college football goes. And Happy birthday, Michael news. Jordan. Yeah, yeah, MJ, the GOAT. There you uh. go, man. <laughs> but otherwise, uh, if you made it this far, we appreciate you. And you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your audio podcast. Big things coming from the, the crew over here at D1 Rejects, and, and we appreciate you listening. Have a great weekend. And uh, I would say I, I'm so used to saying enjoy some football, man. But Enjoy dude, some basketball. Dream, dream about some football for Shout us. out Cam Thomas. Yeah. <laughs>